You're listening to the Gavel and Pestle Podcast with Darshan Kulkarni. The Gavel and Pestle Podcast, where the law of the land intersects with the business of pharmacy. Hey, this is Darshan. Just before uh, you listen to the podcast, make sure you remember, this is not legal advice. This is also not medical advice, and um, it's not construction advice, so don't take construction advice from me. Also, this does not create an attorney-client relationship, so don't be saying that I just gave you legal advice again. Talk to a lawyer who knows you, that can give you advice that's right for you. Thanks again. Keep listening. We'll talk soon. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. Gavel and Pestle podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Gavel and Pestle podcast, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Good morning, Darshan. How are you today? Good. How are you doing, Todd? Good to be here. Great to hear your voice. Uh, You were venturing um, around the globe. We have to start out the show by just giving everybody an update of your experience out there as as a world traveler. (laughs) Um, I landed up making two separate and distinct trips last year. My big one was I backpacked through Scandinavia, which was really, really fun. And then I spent a little bit of time in India for a cousin's wedding, which was rather fun as well. Uh, And as I was traveling, um, we had an interesting occurrence where uh, Lufthansa decided the day I was traveling that all the pilots would go on strike. So I got an impromptu stopover in Frankfurt and decided to visit the cities, um, and that was great. Holy cow. Um, I am guilty of not traveling all that much. I, I've traveled north and southbound. I've gone as um, as north as uh, Canada, obviously, and then as south as uh, Haiti. But I don't nice. seem to do very well um, going in the east and west direction, so I have to change that. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I was not as much of a traveler till a couple years ago, well, a few years ago. I started off my first one backpacking to the east coast of the world, where I did Japan, Korea, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Singapore, Australia. Happened to give a talk in Germany, came back. Then I did another one where I backpacked through South America. And then Scandinavia was my third one. So who knows where the next trip is going to take me. That is so cool. It's, I think it really widens our um, perspective of the world. And speaking of perspectives, there was an article by a publication called BioWorld. And this was just in the beginning of uh, 2017. And it was titled, off-label use, the fine line between illegal promotion and useful information. And we're talking to pharmacists out there, obviously, who know and uh, roll their eyes as they hear this because they experience this every day when they're reviewing uh, medication therapy management-like interactions with their patients and the risks and the dangers that they know as medication specialists of what's out there for the consumer uh, to pull off the shelf and do things to really heal thyself, per se, using Dr. Google and not really um, understanding that there's some danger. So you gave us a cliffhanger in the last Gavel and Pestle podcast about uh, transformations of laws and different things happening in our uh, pharmaceutical industry. So we have to start out with that um, off-label use, the fine line between illegal promotion and useful information. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Darshan. 
So, so here's the interesting thing, Todd. Here's what's been the status quo. You come up with a brilliant idea. You go to the FDA. You tell them, I have this brilliant idea. Can I start using this product on patients? FDA will say, fine, we'll let you do that. We want you to, however, prove to us that your drug has two characteristics and does not have two characteristics. It is safe and efficacious, and it is not adulterated and misbranded. Now, every pharmacist who's been through pharmacy school has heard those terms. But what do those terms mean? I could probably write books on each one of those. However, the fact is that those terms are very, very broadly interpreted. The key piece to remember is that when you're dealing with advertising, when you're dealing with marketing, you've gotta you've gotta make sure that what you talk about, and, and this is we're talking about as of January uh, 2017. Make make that early February 2017. And and the reason I say that is because everything's about to change, uh, and that really comes from like a Doctor Who episode, by the way. Um, or technically a, doc, a Jack Harkness episode, but and this is exposing the nerd in me. <laughs> but essentially, uh, but here's here's really what it comes down to. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to prove to the FDA everything works the way it's supposed to. Everything's supposed to be completely on point. You've got the evidence to show that what they said is what actually happens. Um, and when you do that, so the FDA basically negotiates with you and gives you a package insert. When they give you that package insert, that is your Bible. So there's a lot of negotiation that happens between pharmaceutical companies and the FDA. And that negotiation decides what's gonna be on your package insert. And all those ads that are on TV, on radio, those internet ads you see on, um, well, on the internet, um, they all have to mirror the package insert in that they have to give you the risks and the benefits. They have to be fair and balanced. They have to make sure that they don't overemphasize anything, underemphasize anything. All of that's great. But in the end, they have to be only for the things that the FDA approved. Well, has, has anything changed? That seems like a good idea, right? Well, there was this situation where a sales rep for a pharmaceutical company went out and spoke to uh, spoke with another doctor. So he and another doctor went to another doctor's office, and they started talking. And, and the two doctors started talking. Uh, and this this guy's name was Alfred Coronia. Alfred Coronia was a sales rep. Doctor Peter Gleason was the actual doctor. So Doctor Peter Gleason started speaking to someone from another doctor's office, um, and they started discussing the off-label uses of this drug called Zyrem. And, and and that sounds that sounds fine. It's two doctors having conversations with e- with each other. That happens every single day, right? So since it happens every single day, the two doctors thought that they were exchanging good information. Well, turns out that's not quite true. The one doctor, the doctor that Dr. Peter Gleason was talking to, happened to be a Department of Justice plant, and he was listening in. A Department of Justice was listening in, and they sued. Dr. Peter Gleason, they sued Alfred Coronia, they sued Orphan Medical, which was the company that Alfred Coronia worked for, and they said, not that the information you gave to 
uh, to the DOJ plant was wrong. Not that the information was incorrect, not that it was false, but the fact that we had not approved that information. Since we had not approved that information, well, we're not going to let you talk about it. And you talking about it is illegal. Here's what happened then. Dr. Peter Gleason lost his license. Dr. Peter Gleason was not able to talk about it. Dr. Peter Gleason then died. And then I believe it was the state of Florida that went after his license again after he died. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, that was not pretty. And the funny thing was, it wasn't for things that he said that were incorrect. It was that the FDA had not approved it. On the other hand, Orphan Medical, they settled. They said, you know what? My bad. We shouldn't have let them talk about it. We aren't going to. We'll try to fix that. On the other hand, and here's the interesting part. Alfred Corona said, I'm going to fight this. And he got a relatively new attorney. And they went in, uh, went to uh, the Second Circuit, the courts, and they started fighting, and they won. The FDA really, uh, was told that, well, did what they say, was anything that they said false? Well, it turns out that by the time Alfred Coronia's case came about, the FDA had approved the product for the use that Dr. Peter Gleason was talking about. The FDA was okay with that information. So obviously it wasn't false or misleading. So the FDA did not have that as a claim that they could make. So the courts basically didn't allow uh, the, the FDA to essentially stop pharmaceutical companies from giving, uh, from giving truthful information. The standard is it's gotta be truthful and not misleading. And, and that was just one case. And the FDA took a position where, well, that was just a unique case. Um, that it doesn't mean anything. Then you had another case called the Amarin case. And it was a slightly different set of facts. But in that as well, you had a situation where a company wanted to give out truthful information. And the FDA said, no, no, we won't let you. Uh, it was a, a fish oil. Um, supplements that you can literally pick off the shelves. And the company said exactly that. I can literally go to the shelf, pick up nutraceuticals that have those contents in there. You'll allow nutraceuticals to make those claims that we want to make. You'll allow um, products that were approved before I was approved to make those claims. You simply won't allow me to make them. And that seems unfair. And the courts agreed. So, so you're reaching and then there, was a, there were two or three other cases that happened back to back to back. So this pillar in the FDA, which said only the package insert decides what you can and cannot say. Well, that turns out is not going to remain the standard forever because the courts have consistently come out and said, we will only allow conversations. We we will allow conversations that are truthful and not misleading. And, And you, FDA, have to abide by that standard. And the FDA fought it, fought it, fought it. And now there's at least one product, the Amarin product, uh, the drug's called Vicepa, where they are advertising off-label. Seems like a so, tightrope. It seems like this balancing tightrope for physicians, uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers, 
obviously uh, the pharmacist who gets asked questions all the time, doctors prescribing drugs off-label or outside of the intended use according to their label as approved by the FDA, uh, drug, drug makers, uh, they, they cannot advertise or promote uh, the use of their products off-label. However, we've seen through the years, Allergan um, got a $600 million suit um, that they lost that they had to pay in fines for pushing Botox uh, for off-label uses such as headaches and pain and cerebral palsy treatment. So it's it's a it's a tightrope. And, and I'm wondering, you know, are we so uh, subjected to the FDA's findings and and the ins packet insert but you would think that some of that information as well as drug drug interactions would change things that a medical professional a licensed pharmacist a licensed doctor really need to collaborate in many specific situations per patient almost like a customized medication scenario that you can't just pull the packet insert out and expect to have everything i think that's good directions it's like if you want to use a piece of machinery and you pull out the so-called packet insert which is the directions of how to use this piece of machinery you put it into the hands of a professional that's been in the industry for 20 years that knows exactly how to construct that road or construct that building and they look at the directions and they say okay it's technically okay of how they're asking me to use this tool but I know in the real world, based on the temperature and the the age of the steel and the rivets, that I need to build this building just slightly different that might be a little bit different from what I'm using the directions in the so-called quote-unquote packet insert. So I think we can't handcuff physicians and pharmacists to um, everything, but I completely see how the FDA is saying, hey, you can't just prescribe this drug for something that it wasn't intended for, even though you're finding that in fact it does work for it. So Darshan, what a tightrope. So it gets even weirder. So here's the weird part of this whole thing. The FDA technically has no jurisdiction on physicians, well, has no jurisdiction on physicians really. So the prescribing of a product off label is completely legal. A doctor talking to another doctor typically is completely legal, even if it's off-label. It's only a pharmaceutical company talking about the drug. And therefore, if a doctor learns about an off-label use from a pharmacist, sorry, from a pharmaceutical company, it's considered to be, quote-unquote, fruit of the forbidden tree. And since it's considered to be fruit of the forbidden tree, therefore, what we're going to do is we're going to start finding everything that comes out of that fruit. And because of that, you mentioned the $600 million fines. Um, you had GSK that paid $2.1 billion. You had Pfizer. Sorry, I think GSK was $3 billion. Pfizer was $2.1 billion. I think uh, another one was like a, a, uh, another billion dollars. Right. Over, I think, the last five years, pharmaceutical companies for off-label marketing paid about $25 billion in fines. It's nuts. Yeah, Pfizer, $2.3 billion for the promotion of a pain drug called, I think it was Brexa or Bextra. Um, Bextra. And, and for it was they were using it for dosing, supposedly exceeding what the FDA had approved. And um, 
and you and, and Eli Lilly, goodness gracious, one point four um, billion. Um, the promotion of its schizophrenia uh, bipolar drug Zyprexa for use, yeah. in, um, including treatment for elderly patients with sleep disorders and dementia. So, wow! I mean, it it's it's a it's a world that um, needs to have the safety regulations for the public, obviously. Um, but the collaboration between pharma and physicians um, and pharma and pharmacists, um, I think we need to come up with a, a mousetrap per se or a, or a mechanism or a, an, an engine per se that gives out this information right from the researchers at the pharma community. But I think they should be licensed physicians or researchers and have credentials to be able to go to some kind of seminar or go to some kind of a continuing education environment um, to be able to update. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that as well, Todd. Good point. Good ideas. So let's talk a, a lot about that. So number one, um, the the first piece to look at is in these settings. Uh, as clinicians, I can tell you, I don't actually know in the vast majority of cases what the actual FDA approved use of a product is. I can tell you what databases like um, Lexicomp or UpToDate or any of those say, but I can't remember the last time I've opened up a, a PDR and looked in and and saw seen what the FDA actually approved the product for. In most cases, what you land up doing is you land up saying, here's some information that suggests that this product can be used for alternative uses. So that's number one. So in a true blue clinical environment, that's how practice works. You have a patient who needs help. You figure out what things have worked in the past and you use them. The FDA has a much much higher standard that they expect. So um, that was the first piece. Um, and and your, your idea was completely valid about how do these, these people need to be able to interact. So here is this other weird thing that's happened and has been okay till today, which is you have what are called medical affairs professionals who work in the pharmaceutical industry. These are clinicians of some kind. Most typically, they're PharmDs, they're MDs, and they're PhDs. You, you typically have these people have terminal doctorates. That's not to say that there aren't RNs. That's not to say that there aren't NPs. That's not to say that there aren't dietitians. That's not to say that there aren't PAs. But these are the most common types of um, medical affairs professionals. And these medical affairs professionals are allowed to engage in exactly the way you're talking about. They're allowed to educate physicians and pharmacists with off-label information as long as the physician and pharmacist asking for the information and not the, not the pharmaceutical company trying to give it. And it's this fiction that, and, and when I say this fiction, it's this way that the FDA and everyone sort of behaves, which is if is the if you're being responsive, it's scientific discussion uh, and scientific dis- the FDA has no authority over scientific discussion, but if it's marketing, the FDA suddenly gets authority. So a sales rep has never been allowed to talk off label because they're engaging in advertising, but the people who are engaged in scientific discussion can do it all day long. So is this an MSL? A, That's an MSL. Okay. Right. Yeah, we just did a program with uh, Dr. Aaron Albert on MSLs, and boy, it's kind of all coming full circle. It's amazing when 
our, our podcast network starts to overlap like this. It's really fitting together ni- nicely. And the lights go off in my head because I didn't realize, uh, per se, that that's actually how that MSL plays into all of this, which is telling me that position is going to become much more relative and important uh, moving forward in this craziness. So that's one of the big questions, actually, that you land up asking. So what happens to an MSL whose core role is to educate physicians and pharmacists about off-label uses? I, I recognize, I totally recognize that there are a million other things that they do, but education is a core piece. But what happens if a sales rep can educate as well about off-label uses? Does that take away from their role or does it enhance it? Are they now looked at people who have information and can and can discuss it in a very meaningful way or are they looked at as people who are basically sales reps with advanced degrees wow wow and i i think that the fda would would be paying attention to the evolution of that role and the go between between uh pharma physicians mm-hmm. education to f- uh pharmacists Yep. Uh, without it be without it turning into a dog and pony show. Exactly. And, and that's what you need to be aware of. That's what the FDA is. The FDA doesn't know the answer to this qu- question right now. So everything's about to change. We just don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> so uh, podcast listeners, Gabo and Pestle podcast listeners, just keep holding on to that cliff because uh, we're all dangling here waiting for <laughs> the outcome. <laughs> yeah. So when those sales reps come to you in the pharmacy and say, let me tell you about my drug, you want to start finding out, are they talking about the on-label uses? Are they talking about the use that the FDA has approved? Or is it an off-label use? Is it something that that they're going hint, hint, nod, nod? Or now they may not even have to do the hint, 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 nod, nod. Now it may actually be a straight up, well, here are some alternative uses that the (laughs) FDA has never allowed us to talk about before. Right. Well, Darshan, thanks so much for the information um, on this. It's fascinating for me. Off-label use, that fine line between illegal promotion and useful information. What's next on the Gavel and Pestle podcast? What other ideas do you have coming down the pike? Well, I don't know. Maybe we should talk about something like jail. <laughs> well, where, where, where everybody could end up if uh, if we don't uh, dot our eyes and pay attention to the regulations at hand, huh? <laughs> exactly, and that's happening right now in a in a seminal case. And I want to talk a little bit about this because you know we don't like we don't scare our audience quickly enough. So let's do that a little bit next time. Around. <laughs> okay, I agree. Thank you so much, Darshan. Darshan Kulkarni. Conform Law, give out your contact information just in case someone wants to reach out to you. So come talk to me on Twitter at FDA Lawyers. Come talk to me at uh, Conform Law. Just go to conformlaw.com or kulkarnilawfirm.com and come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you, tell you more about what I do, tell you more about how we can solve the problem you're facing right now. It'll all be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the Gavel and Pestle podcast with your host, Darshan Kulkarni.